Hey, this is Maggie. And Ashley. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. Welcome back. Why do I feel like I don't know how to do this anymore? It's been a while since we've recorded. Our I listeners don't know that. But they don't. It has been, because as they may remember from episode seven, I have moved to Maine. This is true. So we haven't been able to record as uh, regularly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. That's I mean, fine. We're so back. Yeah. I'm back in D.C. and I've seen you three times three already, times. which is like great. Um, and <laughs> each time we're drinking. <laughs> this is also true. We, so I guess we can say we record... We saw each other for New Year's. We're recording this a couple days after New Year's. Yes. Oh and we were supposed to record the day after New Year's. And I texted Maggie and I was like, hey, so I know we plan to record today, but I really don't want to drink. <laughs> and luckily Maggie was like, yeah, neither do I. Thank God. Did anyone, does anyone want to drink on New Year's Day? No. No. Like, no. And if they do, they're lying to you or they have a problem. Oh, yikes. <laughs> But, uh, but no, that's how we felt. Yeah. I mean, and I also didn't do my research as usual. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, I also don't feel like I'm in the mood to do research today. I know, so, I know. But it's been a couple days. We're here. We're ready to drink. We've already started drinking. Yeah. Um, my friend works at like a brewery and she over Christmas. Can you say, can you say brewery again? Brewery. Listen, I just like to enunciate every single syllable. <laughs> that's such a lie. I mumble my or words. not. So much. Like, I, I've never lied as big as that lie was. Anyway, so she works at a brewery. <laughs> Aren't there three R's? Brewery. Oh, there's only two R's. <laughs> she, she didn't even look at how to spell the word. She just said it slower. <laughs> I was just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I'm double. Mm, yep, it's got two, two R's. Why did I add another R in there? Brewery. Anyway, um, so over Christmas, she knows I love sour beers, so she brought, well, she brought a bunch of beers, but a bunch of them were sours. Not the ones we're drinking right now. Mine's like this lemonade mead that's pretty good. Mine is a limey ginger. It's a Moscow mule mead. Yeah. Ooh, it's from Allentown, PA. Oh, that, PA, yeah. Pennsylvania. That's my home state. Yeah. I'm drinking the Colony Meadery, from the Colony Meadery. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I yeah. do have wine for us after these, but there's a surprise that comes with it, so I guess it'll have to be, like, mid-episode. That sounds great. It, this is highly anticipated, because Ashley told me on New Year's, like, I have a surprise, but I can't tell you. I have to show you. So, and then I saw her again last night, and she told me something exciting. I don't remember what, and, but I was like, oh, is that the surprise? It wasn't that exciting. Wasn't don't that. worry. <laughs> So, she doesn't even remember it. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm excited to see whatever this wine is. It's probably got like a, an animal on it, right? It's the whole package. Oh, I bet it's called the watering hole. Okay, well, don't like read too much into it. <laughs> and either way, I lost. I was so excited when I. Got I'm it, sure so. I'm gonna be excited too. So, anyway. I want to address Uh-oh. the fact that we got to go back a couple episodes because it seems that all of your friends and family know what 
the mitochondria does. Whereas all of my friends and family are like, no, no, we agree, Maggie. We don't know what the fuck it is either. So I think this just goes to show our viewer, our listener base is half and half. (laughs) Apparently, because all of my friends and family were like, how does Maggie not know what the mitochondria is? And And they like sent me memes and I'm like, those are the memes I'm talking about. Meanwhile, all of mine messaged me on Instagram or sent me text messages like, yeah, I'm listening right now. Don't worry. I don't remember anything either. Listen, I'm just saying, apparently us in New York were better educated. Apparently us in everywhere else in the world just have other things on our minds. So I, we've come to the conclusion that some people know what the mitochondria is. Half and half. Some people don't. Half and half. The main takeaway is that it's the powerhouse of the cell, and now you all know that. And I know we tell you not to cite us, but do. Anywho, back to this episode. Now we are on episode 10, our final episode of the season. (gasps) Thanks for bearing with us for another episode, guys. I know. Really appreciate it. Another episode, another season. So, episode 10, it's our final episode of the season, mm-hmm. and if you're in the Washington, D.C. area this coming March, March mm-hmm. 2020, Ashley and I are going to be doing a live recording oh of our podcast. And I am absolutely terrified. In association so with the D.C. Environmental Film Fest. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I just interrupted you. But yeah, I'm terrified as well. Like, No, you have the important information to get out. <laughs> like, I'm going to share some more feelings. Don't worry about it. But it's going to be so great. It's going to be an evening where everyone else comes and drinks with us and you listen to us talk about animals live on stage. We're going to have a guest. We know who our guest is. We're not going to tell you. (sighs) Secret, secret. So, uh, yeah, if you're in Washington, D.C. in March, check out our Instagram, the Watering Hole Pod, because we'll be talking about it over there. Yeah, for sure. (gasps) So exciting. Yes. So, let's talk about our animals. I was going to say, but this (laughs) Um, I think you go first. I think I do. We never know. We don't. So. What did you pick for your friend? I've. Go ahead. What were you about to ask? No, I was going to say. Were you about to say, what did you pick for your animal? Like, we're getting there. We do that every episode. (laughs) Just jumping the gun, but really right on track. No. I think mine was good. I was like, should I have been a different animal for a final animal? No. No. Mine was, mine's great. Okay, so yeah, I didn't do like a super special, let's end with a bang animal, but my motivations for choosing this animal were over the holiday, I got a game um, as a Christmas present Mm -hmm. called If You Had To, and it's kind of like What Do You Meme or Cards Against Humanity in that... You you pick out, like, everybody gets a bunch of cards, and they're all really awful things that you have to do, and you have to pick the, like, best slash worst. Yeah. Best worst. And this animal was listed on one of the cards, and none of us knew what it was. Oh! So, that's why I've decided to do this creature. (gasps) That is exciting. So, I'm gonna, of course you get to guess, Mm -hmm. Ashley! I don't know why I ask anymore. Um, so, the hint I'm gonna give you, I'll give you its scientific name first. Okay. And then I'll give you just, I'll I'll narrow it down. Give me its regular name. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Capra falconeri. Okay, so it's some kind of falcon. Except it's not. What? Yeah. What? it is the largest of the wild goat species. Oh, I guess I was like Capra is like Capricorn, and Capricorn's like half goat. Also half a mermaid, I learned that the other day. Or oh, something. I didn't I'm know not that. into astrology. Me either. As a cancer, I 
hate it. I don't know. So As I'm, a Pisces, I'm just really sensitive. Sure. <laughs> I was just always mad that I was a crab named Cancer. Like, that's just... I, nothing going for me. <laughs> My sister's a Leo, so fuck off. Um, Capra. Okay, largest of the goats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I'm just terrified. Wait. <gasps> I was listening to a podcast the, the other day that was talking about <laughs> the figure. This, is it is it still alive? Like it's a, a living species. Uh huh. Yeah. So this is not it. But I was listening to a podcast the other day about like these giant ass goats. That's all I got. That was the, there was a period at the end of that sentence. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I don't remember. It was really interesting. I'll have to look up more and like some and add it to another episode. Okay. But um So it wasn't that one. So I didn't <laughs> I A, it's not that one and B, I didn't know what the name of it was. So, I don't know. Do you want to know where it lives? Is yeah. that going to help you? No, but yeah. It's found in the Himalayas, okay. um, in Afghanistan, mountain Turk- goat, Menistan, Pakistan, India, shaggy goat. No, large goat. It does have a beard. Bearded goat. No, damn it. <laughs> I feel like all goats have beards. It's like part of being a goat. It has horns. Okay, so I chose to do the markor oh they got the go- the they have the horns they go yes so just like that for those who can't see me because this is a podcast i did like a a, a twirly motion with my fingers that was perfect i was hoping you were going to say spiral which is what they are That's but i think twirly is just as accurate perfect they had them at the zoo in my yeah. hometown growing up and i always thought they were so cool they are often in zoos <gasps> so yeah um you guys have already heard a little bit about them with my hints but they are the largest of the <laughs> wild goat species <laughs> Meg had to give me a lot of hints and i never got there i mean it's a random it word is. like I didn't know what it was when I first. If you had it. given me like a multiple choice answer, oh, you would have been able I to, for sure. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe you. The amount of times I use that excuse, I'm like, well, if it was multiple choice, I would get it. Well, that was like us at trivia last night. True. Oh, fucking a man. Listen. We didn't do terrible. We didn't do great. It was such hard trivia. But it if there was. had been multiple choice for most of them, I feel like we could have done it. We would have done great. So the markhor it uh, is found in the Himalayas uh, around or above the tree line. Ooh. So very high altitudes. Wow. They're not that big. They grow about two to four feet in height. Their length is four to six and a half feet. So they're longer than they are taller. Tall. Okay. Okay. Um, Wait. News. Imagine if it was the opposite way, because that's like true for most like four like like quadrupeds. But imagine if they were short but really tall, like short in body length and really tall. Isn't that terrifying? So like the opposite of a corgi. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. But like, but long so like legs, I guess. <laughs> but like, even if they were taller than they were lengthwise. They'd have really long legs. <laughs> so it would look like a kid drew it. <laughs> it would be like a it would be like a giraffe but with like no neck. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're really picturing this. I'm trying so hard. Because <laughs> you said that and I was like, oh yeah, and I was like, wait. Wait and But if it was any other way, we'd have a problem. <laughs> These goat species continue. Um, do exhibit some serious sexual dimorphism. Ooh. Um, if you don't recall, that means there's a big difference in appearance between male and females. Mm-hmm. So females are around 70 to 90 pounds, whereas the males are about 170 to 240. 
Oh, damn. And then getting into those horns, which Ashley described as twirly. Twirly. Their horns are fucking cool. So that was actually the question in the board game that we were playing. Uh It was like, if you had to, would you rather both your parents are porn stars or would you grow horns like a markhor? For the rest of your life. How specific, though, for that game, though? <laughs> I know. Like, they could have just said, grow horns, but they're like, like a Markor. And honestly, it was great. I think I'd pick Markor horns over other horns. I think I did. I think, <laughs> I think that was what I chose. Like, if this just said, like, goat horns, I'd be like, fuck no. No, I don't want to look like Tumnus. No, 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 no one wants that. <laughs> yeah. So their, hor- their horns are really great. If you haven't Googled already, now is your time. Um, Google break. <clears throat> their horns in the males can grow up to five feet in height. What the fuck? What? Yeah. What? That's the size of a person. Their horns. I mean, obviously not like, it's the height of a person. It is. Uh, whereas the female's horns only get to about two feet. So again, with this difference in appearance, it is very stark. Also, like, two feet's a fucking big. That's a, that's a long, that's like as tall as I am. What? Except, you know, the mine two is a feet? couple... <laughs> Maggie's very short for those of you who haven't seen her in person. Just call me Thumbelina. But it's that's gigantic. What? I know. I know. I don't remember this as a child at the zoo. Yeah, that's the that's the, insane. It, it is. It really is. But that's why I think they're so cool. Um, I was gonna make a joke and be like, "Ladies, step up your game." But let's be honest, a two foot a fucking two- horn is insane. That's really impressive, anyway. <sighs> So I said they're the largest wild goat species. Because of their horns, they are considered the largest. Ah. Um, but their their weight is surpassed by the Siberian ibex. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But so I also only, feel like... Yeah. So if they didn't have horns, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be the biggest. But because they're horny, <laughs> they're the largest. God. I don't know. That was actually really appropriate. <laughs> right? Um, their coat is like a grayish reddish color mm. um and then they have a long black dark stripe that runs down their backs kind of cool Sexy. looking yeah males have a long beard with manes and tufts on their legs whereas females only have short beards which when i read this i thought of gimli in lord of the rings mm-hmm. when he talks about how you can't tell the difference between male and female <laughs> dwarves <laughs> These goats, they live in herds of 30 to 100 females. What? Yeah. Isn't that huge? I would never want to be surrounded by 100 women. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, The males, they are typically solitary, but they'll join the herd when it's time for breeding. Mm -hmm. Go figure. The gestation period is around 155 days. Now, this I found really interesting, and I want to hear what you might have to say about it, because I think you might have some insight here. Uh Uh-oh. Females become sexually mature Mm -hmm. around two years old, whereas males become mature around four to five. So I pondered on that a Mm -hmm. minute, and I thought that's... That's a way that evolution has has kind of determined, like, well, we need females to become sexually mature earlier because we need to hurry up and reproduce. Yeah. Is there anything, is there any logic behind that? Or is there any purpose? I think what you said sounds right. I would say females can start reproducing earlier if, and they right. can have more offspring. And have more, And, like, yeah. based on, like, males can have, a, like, a thousand offspring. Like, if you think about it, they right. can have hundreds of offspring in a year where mm-hmm. a female will take multiple years to have offspring. Right. So if she matures earlier, 
it makes more sense. Whereas, like, even if a male matures later, he could still have the same amount of offspring right. as a female does. Right. And then, like, these males are also theoretically going to go mate with a bunch of females. Yeah. While they're messing around with a hundred in yeah. the herd, you know. So anyway, I thought that was really yeah. interesting, and I'm sure that that's the case with a lot of other animals. I just haven't come across it yeah. that much. I so. also wonder: do the horns play a part in the like sexy time? Yeah, like attractiveness. They probably take a really long fucking time to grow. Probably. Right? You get yeah. to five feet? Yeah. Like, you're not even going to mate until you're four years old. That sounds weird. Until you're <laughs> older anyway, because right. your horns will be dinky and no one wants you. <laughs> your right, ho- your, <laughs> your horns will be dinky. What else? <laughs> right. So. Uh, okay. So, um, their breeding period or breeding season is from April to June, and they have one to two young, but they rarely, rarely any more than that. They live 10 to 13 years. So, supposedly, when it is breeding season, breezing, it's just really breezy up in the mountains. breezing season. Um, When it is breeding season, males will use their horns to win over a female. Uh, They'll twist and turn their heads until one male falls and loses the match. Now I picture them dancing to twist and shout. Twist and turn. Which is appropriate, da, da, da. given how twisty and twirly they're... Uh... True. If they were to have a song, what if you went through and like gave a song to each animal based on its behavior? That's kind of cool. I have no other examples, but this might be a fun side project. Yeah. Keep an eye open for my playlist. Oh my gosh. Just get you a Spotify for the watering Ooh-hoo. hole. Okay, so some fun facts about the Markor. Mm-hmm. They are Pakistan's national animal. Ooh. That's cool. That is cool. Um, you may also have been wondering, what the hell does Markor actually mean? You know I love the name meaning game. Yes. It's my so favorite. It's, uh, it's an old Persian word Ooh. that roughly translates to snake eater. Do they eat snakes? Uh, that's my next question. So folklore says yes. Oh. Though uh, all of the research I did says is, that they just... What do the scientists say? Yeah, but... <laughs> I love folklore and all, but they also have... There's a whole folklore about a girl who loses her head in a trunk. Have you ever heard that one? It's fucking weird. <laughs> Sorry. No, I haven't heard that one. We have I'm Brothers Grimm fairy tales oh going God, on. I'm glad you chose that. Um, <laughs> so uh, they eat... Pr- pr- they eat... Oh. Try again. So, they eat grasses and leaves and twigs, Ooh. but they can kill snakes with their huge broad hooves. Ooh. It's like stamp them? Yeah, yeah. That's what stamping sounds like, people. Um, can, we get a, can we get a clean stamp for the editor? That wasn't very good. That's okay. That's how you stamp a snake. That's exactly how you stamp a snake. Um, yeah, so they do graze and they, they travel a bit to find food during the different seasons because they are living at these high altitudes, so they'll come down further south if they need to. And because I mentioned they live in the mountains, they're just they're great climbers. A lot of mountain goats are, well, all mountain goats are, might, might not want to... I don't know. You want me to take that out? Me? Hey, future self, take that out. <laughs> totally mountain goats can climb. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Mountain goats can climb mountains. <laughs> Maggie coming in hot with the facts. That's what we're here for, folks. Oh, God. So that's the fun stuff about Marcours. Uh, another thing that if you're like me and you're looking at a goat and you're like, why is its ears 
No. When you say eyes? Yeah. I was like, I've never looked at it and thought about its ears, but I always think about go eyes. So, another fun fact. We're going, we're going to do this again. No, I know what you're going to I don't think you do. Okay. But if you're like me and you look at a goat and you're like, why is its ears? God damn it. <laughs> You know I have to keep these all in, right? Try again, try again, try again. What's wrong with me? It's okay, it's eyes. Eyes. There's no R. Remember how I was adding R's? We're all adding R's. I feel like Joey in that episode of Friends. Where he tries to speak French? <laughs> no. Um. Where he's trying to be like, mmm. Chicken noodle soup or something. Mmm, soup. And he keeps... He's like, mmm, tomato soup. soup. (laughs) So if you're like me... So if you're like me and you ever look at a goat and you're like, why is its eyes so weird? (laughs) Then let me tell you. Okay. (laughs) So goat's eyes are rectangular because it just is a broad peripheral vision thing. Mm-hmm. It helps them to evade predators and to just pay attention to what's going on around them, especially in the mountains and the plains where you often find these types of bovidae. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think Ashley has something she's sitting on the edge of her seat no, with. No, <laughs> you just said I wouldn't know and I knew. No, I said you, I didn't say you, would, you wouldn't know. I oh. thought, like... You were getting so excited I was. What, with what I was trying to say, yeah. and I didn't think it was that exciting. I just, I, I think it's really interesting, because that's not, that's true. There's a lot of animals that, like, their pupils reflect their lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, like, so, like, horses have really wide pupils so they can see, like, the whole plane. Right. And then there's this species of fish called the four-eyed fish, because it's a double pupil. Yeah, it does. So it can see, oh. it, like, lives at the top of the water, and it can see above the water and, and below. below the water. Yeah. Like, isn't that just insane? It is really cool, and I think it's such a neat adaptation that why do only goats have this? Right? So, you're right. It is really exciting. See, I appreciate you getting excited. You didn't think I'd be as excited about your fact, and it wasn't just because I knew it. It's because I think optometry is cool. <laughs> is it still optometry if it's not humanized? Sure. All right. Why not? Um, so those are goat optometry. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, I bet you those they gotta exist. Like they gotta. There's got. There's farm I think they're just vets. Called a vet, <laughs> I don't think they specialize I in goat eyes. I am a goat optometrist. I mean, there are large animal vets, but yeah. again, I don't think they specialize in goat eyes. They might. So anyway, if you uh, specialize in goat eyes, reach out. Reach out, cause reach out. All right. So what? is threatening these guys because mm. they are all across the board as IUCN listed as near threatened, but they're also listed as endangered. And then some of the subspecies are listed as critically endangered. So the biggest thing is that they are being poached for their meat and oh. horns, of course, yeah. because those horns are so fucking cool. Which, hey guys, here's a throwback. Their horns are believed to have medicinal value. What? Guess what? They don't. Shocker. Ugh. So Didn't see that one coming. They are also uh, at risk of habitat loss and competition with livestock for grazing land. Mm. Yeah. But something kind of interesting is that Pakistan is or has created this program where they're actually giving selling permits to go trophy hunting for the markors. So I think this is fucking stupid and insane. I've heard about Especially like because this. one particular fucking asshole from the US, Trophy Hunter, paid $110,000 to go shoot one. 
in Pakistan. I think that's stupid. If you have $110,000 to just go drop on shooting something, please, I'll let you shoot me in the foot. Give me $110,000. Right? Fuck! I can't. And then I'll pose with you for it. Like, I don't care. <clears throat> but this one news outlet that I was reading from was trying to present this trophy hunting permitting as a positive because it's these these communities are now protecting the goat species so that they have enough that they can give out a limited number of permits per year. And then the money, like $110,000, U.S. dollars, is going to go a long way yeah. in rural Pakistan. The, the article was, um, I think it was more of a blog post, to be honest. Yeah. But I do find this interesting because, you know, you and I actually worked for an organization that was strictly and vehemently against any kind of legal sale or minimal sale of certain animal products. And that's because if there's any legal sale, it opens the door for loopholes and illegal poaching. So it's interesting to me that, I don't know, that this is happening with other wildlife. And I think we've both known that it happens with wildlife Mm -hmm. everywhere. But to, to just read about it from somebody who is, like, in favor of it was kind of interesting. Because I could see... Oh, yeah, I guess that is kind of beneficial. So I think that maybe this is just my long-winded way of saying, like, if you are reading something that seems to have some kind of slant, go try to find a differing opinion because it will inevitably influence you if you don't know anything about it yet. So maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I remember I took an animal ethics class in college, and there was a similar thing, and it was, like, they were giving out these really expensive hunting licenses to shoot a rhino, which Mm. you've looked around my room. I love rhinos. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. And it was again like, well, is one rhino's life worth it for like all these thousands of dollars to be put in conservation? And I think what it comes down to is just the basic thought process in that animals are not for our sale or our consumption no. or for our use. Like they are living creatures and to think of them as products like negates the whole purpose. And mm-hmm. if the hunter in this case really does want to, you know, contribute to conservation, just give that fucking money to conservation and go take a picture I know. of a rhino. It's way more beautiful. Like, yeah, I think I remember, like, us having arguments. I was like, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter because you're still seeing this creature as a product. Yeah. And not as a a living, breathing thing with value for being alive. Yeah, I know. So it's just... And that's not to say that I don't don't understand or support hunting for sustenance. Yeah. Like, plenty of people do that. Some of my friends do that. And I totally, like, do it. Like, you're, you're... it works, right, in some situations. I, and hunting to actually consume the animal, yeah. like, But I the trophy understand. hunting to me no. is mind-boggling, and, like, how do you get off on that? I don't get it. So I, if you haven't, again, Googled the Markor already, they mm. are just so beautiful, Do really. It. So I would, I would Google uh, Markor in its winter coat, because they do Ooh. get shaggier because they're living at these high altitudes. It's pretty cold. They gotta be warm and cozy. I like to think I also get more attractive in my winter. Oh my um, god, I'm physique. I am wearing my winter. Burka. I got layers on, man. Oh my I got god, layers right now. Like it's just there's a lot of holiday weight that's Ooh. just gonna hang on, hanging out until July. 
So they're just really cool beards, long ass horns that make them one of the biggest goat species in the world. And we should be aware that such a thing exists. And then that way, next time you're playing, if you had to, and you get the option, grow horns like a markhor, you'll know exactly what they're talking about. And then your answer is, fuck yes. Yeah, I would do that. Hell so yeah. that's my animal. <gasps> Yay! Well done. A little bit of a struggle, as per usual, but that's just because oh, I, I was, was researching literally 15 minutes before this episode. Hey, at least you didn't just list the sizes of kangaroos at length for like 20 minutes, <laughs> which is what I did in episode seven. Oh, that so, was a really good, good episode. Listen, I very briefly touch on size and then I move quickly on in this animal. Do not worry. Fantastic. All right, I am excited. To hear all about your animal. Okay, but first, a drink. I think that's acceptable. Ashley is getting her surprise right now. I don't know what it is. I am expecting... I know what you're doing! Did you hear that? She said, I know what you're doing. She's coming. I need to leave. (coughs) I'm back. With wine glasses, I see. We must be drinking wine. This was all so much louder than I intended it to be. So, when I was home for Christmas, my friend Maureen... Thanks, Maureen. Love dearly. It's such a good friend. Look at this wine, little wine box she decorated for me. Aw, that's so cool, guys. She decorated the neatest uh, box of wine. It's not a boxed wine. It's a... It's, a, it's like a wine carrier. Yeah. Wine holder? There's a... It's a box and it's got a wine bottle in it. <laughs> And she decorated it, and with there's a giraffe and a rhino and a tree and a bird and some mountains, and then she wrote the watering hole. Isn't Maureen, that, you so fucking rock! Cute? That's so cool. I was like, why did your gift so thoughtful? Oh, so nice. And then so she has so our wine tonight is provided by Maureen. Thank you. And it is. And she was like, I need to find one with an animal on it. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is perfect! So it's from Bully Hill Vineyards, which is, I believe it's in the Finger Lake, so it's from my home state of New York. Founded in 1967 by Walter S. Taylor, Bully Hill Vineyards was one of the first small state wineries established in New York State after Prohibition. Ooh! Ooh. But yeah, isn't it adorable? It is, because it's got a goat on the front! Ah. It's even more perfect than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, that was my excitement. This is so nice. Isn't Did she it? make this box also? No, she. I know that she got this box from AC Moore because it's a craft store in our hometown that's going out of business. Oh. But I was like, hey. I'll take it. I love a sale. I love it more that there was a sale. Isn't it so cute? Yay! All right, I'm going to get a wine opener because um, I forgot about that part. I'm filling the dead air, the dead space, with my rendition of, oh god, fuck. Did you remember, do you remember the short that played before the Incredibles movie? No. It was a jackalope. It was bound, bound, bound and rebound. No? Okay. No. We'll use a different wine for the opening. That it was, was like really awful. it was like good in the beginning and do you want much, me to, can I try pouring and see it very much one off script yeah Ashley just poured my glass of wine and now I'm pouring her glass it's very it's very romantic, very romantic. <laughs> All right, it was better than mine but 
Whatever. I gave I gave you a real heavy pour. That's what I'm here for. <gasps> Cheers to the last episode. Yay! That was weak. I think it's the glass. That was aggressive. <laughs> All right, I'll just mix the two together and we'll get a perfect one. Don't Ooh. spill it. I'm not. Ooh, that's delicious. Is it a blend? No, it is very good. It is uh, a table wine, mellow. Yeah, it's uh, very fruity. Yes. Fruit forward, for sure. I really like it. Oh, look, it has a little thing. It's like, and then she asked, like, what kind of wine we liked. Oh, that and I was, was like, so thoughtful. I can't get over this. Right? Isn't it? I was like, damn it, Maureen. <gasps> also, it's called Love My Goat Red Wine. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's, it's even more perfect. I love it. I'm Yay. so, so excited about this. Oh, my God. I'm glad that it lived up to the hype. So, I'm, I'm excited to try to guess your animal. Okay. You know that this is... I know. And I I don't think you're going to like my clue. Oh. I think you're going to be mad at me for my clue. Okay. It's fine. I'm prepared. Okay. So, this is another animal. I'm very excited about it. And I, I will say, the reason I did it was because of something you said that was, like, a comment of what we should do more of or something. Bugs. Okay, Fish. So it's an insect. Yes! Um, so, we're on to an insect. So, I'm going to quote one of my favorite movies and see if you can guess it off of that. I think it'll be pretty good. So, okay. To quote the cockroach waitress in A Bug's Life, who ordered the poo poo platter? <laughs> Do you know what it is? So, is it a dung beetle? Yeah! Yeah! introduce this for real a bug's life is my favorite disney pixar it could what be easily, it is the worst disney pixar right, well, movie we're gonna have to cut this out because i don't want that much falsity in this podcast oh my gosh now we have another dividing line what's your favorite disney pixar up i mean it's fine hi there up what the fuck are you talking about up is the best movie because i'm not saying up's not good bug's life but is when, so when no. all of the ants Link their arms to stand up against Hopper. I cry every time. It's just, I think it's because it's, like, one of the first movies that, like, really, like, made me feel something, you know? Mm, okay. So it's definitely, I mean, I love, I love, like, almost all of them. You're entitled to your ex- reasons. Except for cars. So, anyway. Yes. Dung beetles. <laughs> yes. With, so that's, they're so cool. This yeah. is so neat. I'm excited. So, because we are in a kind of a new realm, I decided... To list the whole scientific classification. <gasps> so they are in Kingdom Animalia, Phylum Anthropoda, or Anthropods, Class Insecta, which seems easy. Order Coleoptera. Then there's an Infraorder, which is like one below, Scarabeiformia, and then Superfamily Scarabeidea, which I don't understand. Ephra Order and Superfamily, like, fall in the same place, so I don't know why there's two different. Mm. Basically scarabs, which we'll touch on a little bit later, but, like, not really. Okay. But to put it simply, these are all beetles that feed on feces. And then in parentheses it said dung, for those who didn't know. <laughs> um, and there's actually about 8,000 species of them. What? I know. 8,000? That was, like, my biggest surprised because I was like oh dung beetles like I'm pretty sure it's just like a dung yeah there's just a dung beetle maybe there's like five different kinds there are 8,000 species of dung beetles so I can't wait to hear where they're all found everywhere 
Everywhere except for one continent. Can you Antarctica? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, however, they're also occasionally called tumble bugs. Because so they, uh, they tumble. tumble uh, they, they tumble, tumble dung. They tumble the poo. They tumble the poo. So there are three different kinds of dung beetles. They are catalyzed into three different ways. They they interact with dung, I guess. Oh, so, so like are there scoopers and are there pushers? You're and really are there... close. Oh my gosh. So there's rollers. Yes. So that's the most common kind. They roll dung into balls. Oh my God. And then they use it as a feed, uh, food source yes. later or as like a breeding chamber. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are tunnelers. So they just dive right on in. Um, they just bury themselves wherever they find dung. So like into the poo. Yeah. Okay. Which they all pretty much, like, live in the poo. Right. Um, it's just whether or not they move it to somewhere else. Okay. Or they're just like, here's a cow pat, I'm in it. Okay. Um, and then there's dwellers who, and this is directly from Wikipedia, and it sounds, to me, mm, Shakespearean. Neither roll nor burrow. They simply live in manure. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I want that tattooed on my body. They simply live in manure. <laughs> I just thought it was beautiful. Uh, so we got rollers, tunnelers, and dwellers, and I believe most of them are rollers. So that classic yeah. kind of image of, of a um, dung beetle rolling up a big pile of poop. So most species of scarabaneaminae, so it's a family, yep, so all these dung beetles, mm-hmm. feed exclusively on feces. That's what they eat. Mm-hmm. And the there's a subfamily, though, that's often dubbed the true tongue, dung beetles. So, like, there is some separation in, like... Okay. There's also ones that aren't in this family that do eat feces that aren't, like, technically a Got dung it. beetle. Got it. So, yeah, like, yeah. there's some, you know, nuances, but it was... It was a lot of Ibidae yeah. family names, and I was like, I'm not getting that far into it. We don't need to talk as long about Ibidae's as we did kangaroo sizes. <laughs> Just trying to avoid... That again, let's see, where was I? Because dung feeding, or eating poop, is found in a number of families of beetles, so there's a bunch of different ones. Most of them are in that Scarabidae family, but there's other ones. We can, um, the behavior cannot be assumed to have only evolved once. So oh. it's evolved multiple times in different beetle families. Whoa. Which uh, is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. That means, like, it was working in a bunch of different not different ways, but different like, places. Yeah. They're just like, hey, it works over here, works over here. That's that's really interesting to just kind of ponder for a minute. Let's like, ponder. Let's ponder. I'll drink some wine. Um, no, really. Uh, so we think back to human evolution, mm-hmm. and it's believed to have all began in Africa, yeah. right? And then spread out, and humans moved and migrated. Well, bugs, insects, these particular beetles supposedly existed in a bunch of different places, but imagine that happening with humans, right? Yeah. It just, everybody started to evolve in different places. I don't know. I guess I'm not, I was really, ho- if I was smoking right now, I bet I would be able to ponder better. You'd, you'd ponder more. <laughs> Sorry, I only got wine for you today, Maggie. Oh, my God. <laughs> but no, I just, I also just love the fact that eating poop evolved multiple times. Everyone was like, this is it. This is how we do it. That's just how we do it. We that's, eat poop. That's the dung beetle song on the playlist. Oh, yes. Here we go. So some of the basics. Yeah. Again, they're just basics, so I'm not going to dwell on the sizes of beetles. So they can live up to three years, which I think is... That's a long time for an insect, right? right? Is I would, it? I think so. Well, there's like... Fruit flies live for like five days, days or something. Yeah. They lay three to 20 eggs at a time. So that's it? They don't lay a ton. Um, okay. And I didn't find what, like, how often they lay eggs. Okay. Probably yeah, yeah. pretty often. 
But the gestation, not gestation, the like Egg. growth into maturity yeah. ranges like it seems like from two to four months. Mm. So they can rep- they do reproduce a lot. Okay, but they also are bigger. They're insects than mm-hmm. others. Than fruit flies. Yeah. They are, they're quite a bit larger. Speaking of size. Oh, God. They range from 0.5 inches or 1.3 centimeters to 2.5 inches in length, depending on the species. So they're not super big. No, no. But they're bigger than a lot of bugs. But they're bigger than uh, fruit flies. <laughs> um, they all can come in all kinds of colors, from like a dull black to a glossy black. But they also come in like metallic green or metallic red. Yeah, like those red. iridescent kind of colors. Yeah. I have to say, there's. I think it's at the National Zoo. If you go into the rainforest exhibit, <gasps> up at the top, they have like this whole arrangement. And it's like all these. You know how like insect collectors and stuff, entomologists will yeah. have the bugs. Yeah. Sorry, insects collected. I know there's a difference between bugs and insects, and I don't know what it is. And Al's gonna yell at me, but I know. I uh, let's let's point that out because I'm often using those two words interchangeably, mm-hmm. and that's incorrect yes. to do so. So uh, why don't we take a Google break? We can. I do believe beetles are insects because these I'll ones are in insecto insecto something. But anyway, so at the National Zoo, insecto patronum, <laughs> and all of a sudden our room fills with insects. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, why did you not include this? That's the scariest thing. Oh, my God. Um, but so at the National Zoo, on one of the floors, they have this whole, like, arrangement, and they're all these beetles arranged to form a bug, like, like a, a larger beetle. Ah, that's cool. And they're just all so beautiful. And they're, like, shiny. So insects and, uh, and bugs yeah. get such a bad rap but they're really beautiful oh my God, they're so also beautiful. just to think let's ponder again maggie's pondering moments really fallen flat tonight but we'll try eight thousand species of these beetles so many that's insane so, so many. like all the more reason to appreciate them because insects are f- fucking fascinating and everywhere <laughs> okay so true bugs okay have a stylet a mouth shaped like a straw that they use to suck juices from plants. Oh my god, me too. Insects belong to the class Insecta, and they are characterized by three-part bodies. Oh, I did know that. Oh, Usually okay. two pairs of wings and three pairs of legs. Gotcha. These guys do have wings. Cool. But what we're talking about are insects, so I'm going to try to make sure I use insect instead of bug. That sounds great. Thank you. Uh, so they come in all different colors. They also have a variety of different structures for both battle and for, um, dung rolling. For battle? For battle. So some have large horn-like structures on their head or on their thorax. Um, and then some have spurs on the back of their legs, both for battle, but also it helps with the dung rolling. And they also have, a lot of them have specialized antennae to catch a whiff of dung in the air. Oh, that's special. Yeah. If only. I am trying to envision and understand why battle was chosen as the word. I'm guessing you found that in your research. Yeah, and I liked it. It's great, but, like, why? What kind of battle? Like, not just... there's a lot of dung stealing that goes on. Dung stealing! Yes. It didn't really go into it that much. It was just often referred, like, often talked about. Wow. That, like, a lot of times if you ever see, if you ever, like, watch videos of dung beetles, which it's... Really, it's quite fascinating. If they're moving away from, like, a cow patty, which is, like, yeah. c- cow poop, they'll move really fast because they're more likely to get it stolen from them. <laughs> but they're just, they're all thieves. They're all thieves. Oh, my gosh. So they'll have to battle. And so they can keep their poop to themselves. 
Get off my shit. Get off my shit. That's what their that's their mantra. Um, so a little bit more about their ecology and behavior. Like we were saying earlier, they live on all continents except for Antarctica. They can live in deserts, in grasslands, savannas, farmlands, forests. Wherever you can find poo. Pretty much. Uh, they just don't like extreme cold or dry weather. Which, I was like, dry weather? But they live in deserts. So maybe it's cold and dry. Is Antarctica technically dry? Probably. Yes, it is actually. Yeah. But yeah, so you can find them a lot of places. A lot of times you find them on farmlands, though. I'll get more into that later. So I read two different sources. One says they prefer omnivore dung, and then a different one said herbivores. So call in the police, because I don't know who's telling the truth. Wow, so they don't like carnivore poo. No, which is fair. Carnivore poo is really gross. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the dung eating... So I will say, the one who said herbivore seemed more legit... Also, they, like, went into it more. Okay. And so herbivores are, like, our, in this case, it's mostly cattle, cows. They don't digest their food super well, so there's Mm -hmm. also, like, a lot of other nutrients that aren't, haven't, like... That are still in the... That are still there. Available, yeah. Yeah. I was writing this down as we were eating earlier. And I was like, why is this the part that I... Okay. Um, So they don't digest their food well, so they often contain a lot of half-digested grass and a smelly liquid that comes alongside of it. And some dung beetles have specialized mouth parts designed to suck out this nutritious soup, which is full of microorganisms that the beetles digest. But I was like, why did I... Wait to do this. Now, this is why you don't procrastinate, people. I know. Oh, my this gosh. This is why. It's terrible. Yeah. But I will say, almost all the, all, all the articles I read said, dung beetles really like burrowing owl poop. <gasps> what? Right? That's like, really funny. What a fun little circle we just made. Yeah. So I, do you, is there a reason why? Do we know? I know it didn't say why, but it did say that they often use it as bait, like if they're trying to catch them for research. They mm. use burrowing owl poop. So burrowing owls eat a lot of different shit, though. So well, they they don't eat actual shit. They like, eat a lot of things that then become so delicious shit. Is this perhaps because burrowing owls like are already making these tunnels underground that provides a little bit of protection for a beetle, perhaps? Maybe. They're underground, so the, and they eat a lot of different things, so there's, like, more yeah. variety in the poo. Possibly. Um, but then also, I remember you saying that burrowing owls will use their poo to, attra- to, to stamp down into mm-hmm. their tunnels mm-hmm. to attract... So they also probably just, like, big collections of it, and yeah. it's easy to get to. Yeah. Yeah, but I just thought that was so interesting. I was huh. like, wait... I saw it How once, do we know like, this? Mm, okay, and then I saw it again, I was like, whoa, 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 calm yourself. One way or another, they don't really like carnivore poop, fair. Carnivore poop smells worse than other poop. Carnival p- Carnivore, I'm sorry. It's car- no, it's full of fenfetti. Um, however, there are some d- dung beetles that eat mushrooms. Some eat decaying leaves or fruit. Um, but there's one species in Peru that actually preys on millipedes. Huh. Yeah. But, like, that was it. But they wanted to, like, point it out. That's still a dung beetle, I guess. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, they only need dung because it provides all the nutrients they need. Isn't that beautiful? That is. Circle of life. Most of the... Most dung beetles will use their sensitive sense of smell to find dung. However, there are some that attach themselves to uh, dung providers. Oh, God. And will ride along until they uh, provide their dung. So that... <laughs> they does just, that... like, attach to the fur and, like... 
So does this mean the bug is just like hanging around the butthole? Pretty much. <laughs> just hanging out and it's like boop. There's oh, that's what I've been looking for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I bet that antenna is just going crazy like Woo! once the cow starts farting. Right? It's gotta be insane. Um That's so gross. Uh after so a little bit more about this dung procurement. Uh after capturing dung, that's how they have to refer to it. They'll roll it in a straight line, and they're, like, very much, like, we need to keep it in a straight line. So even if there's oh, obstacles. yes. Like, do you remember, again, I know you hate A Bug's Life, but A Bug's Life, when the ants <laughs> right. are marching, and there's, like, a stop in the line, and they all panic. Yeah. I just picture a dung beetle being, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So I, I remember watching um, a TV show when I was a kid, uh, and they featured dung beetles at one point, and they talked about how they always have to go in a straight line, mm-hmm. and there was one point where... A dung beetle came across like a tiny ass rock in yeah. its path, and they it, it then went on to describe how strong these but insects are. So strong, so they can like push what ten times their body weight, so, or or something more exorbitant yeah. than that. And anyway, just it showed the the beetle pushing, 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 and it gets over this rock rather than going around it. It was yeah. really cool. Isn't it insane? There. So yeah, my next thing was going. To, my next fact was going to be. I read two different sources. One said that they can roll 10 times their weight. Another said 50 times their weight. Wow. Either way, they're That's a lot. much stronger than I am. Yeah. So Wouldn't, Would that be like you and me pushing a car? Well, so here's the thing. Yes. I would say yes. There's one that said that there is one kind of dung beetle called the Anthophagus taurus, which like taurus is like... Strong bull. bull, yeah. That can pull 1,141 times their own body weight. What? The equivalent of an average person pulling six double-decker buses full of people. Holy shit. So there's variety. Literally, holy shit. Right? So one way or another, they're strong. And I think that's very common throughout the insect world. Right. Like, I know ants are really I mean, ants are so strong. strong. Yeah. Like, it's insane. That is so, so cool. But yeah, isn't that insane? That's insectane. I was like, why is she taking so long to say this? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's insectane. Um, all right, next on my list I have is <gasps> sexy time. So, sexy time and dung beetles. Different kinds of beetles have, have different times ki- of sexy time. Are you saying sexy or are you saying sassy? I'm saying sassy, but it's sexy. Sassy, sassy time. <laughs> Do you remember what the three kinds of dung beetles are? I got the dwellers. Yeah. I got the rollers. Yeah. And I got the tunnelers. Yes, well done. <laughs> um, so roller males, so the roller kinds of dung beetles, will offer their the females those giant brood yeah, balls, the big balls. Of, of poo. Yeah. If she accepts it, how cute is this? They either roll it together or the female rides on top of it. Off into the sunset. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> this is the next rom-com, people. <gasps> oh my gosh, this is too perfect. They just roll it off together into the so sunset. D- so it, but is she sunset doing, was like... never mentioned. I added sunset. <laughs> <laughs> but, so is she doing some kind of like circus act on top if he's rolling right? it? And she's exactly. Like... <laughs> exactly. She, her, her little legs are moving so fast. So she oh my gosh, off. this is a circus act of shit. Oh, it's beautiful. The shittiest circus act you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, there it was. Then they'll find a soft place to bury it before they mate. And the female will usually stay behind. So in the rollers, they, the male usually leaves, but the females will stay. Uh-huh. And then, this is so gross, but, like, it's nature. Females stay, stay around, and they'll coat or seal the ball with more dung. 
their own saliva or their own feces. So that way they can stow it underground. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it fits right into the sunset that I, image I had going. Um, and then some females will stay with the young, so their larvae, up to two months. In I wondered that earlier when you mentioned the the life, the young eggs. There yeah. weren't that many, so yeah. I wondered if the mothers, like, actually stuck around yeah. afterwards. I don't think, again, there's 8,000 species, so I cannot speak for all species of dung beetle, but it right. seems pretty common practice for them to wow. stick around for, like, some period of time. Or So what or are they doing? Some kind of parental care. Right. Like, I... Hanging out. Like, some, naming them? Some other, yes, they're definitely naming them. Um, I think there's one that, there's some that will, like, bring more dung or, like... Do the babies Probably making sure no dung? one fucking steals the dung because that happens all the time. So maybe. For the tunnelers, so they dive right into that cow pat and they set up their family home and they'll, like... Decorate? They'll literally, like, pat the walls to, like, make a, make a little place to stay. They make their own little bungalow. They yeah. make their own little bungalow. <laughs> like a bunghole. What you could have gone with dungalow. Why didn't you say dungalow? Oh my god. It was good either way. It was good either way. So one or both parents will stay with the young until they mature, which is up to four months in the in the tunneler ones. Okay. Which I added, this is weird. And that's not very typical of insects. No. Which I feel like the two months but also the fact that sometimes it's both parents will stay. What are they doing? I never know what they're, they're doing. Protecting, what do what do parents do? They, they hang out. They're drinking wine. Oh my god. Shit, I don't know. What what are they doing? <laughs> Just protecting. From what? Like a big footprint that's gonna step in the poo? I will say I have no predators listed, but they probably have like bird predators, right? And like. I think I was just like, oh, yeah, insects get predated, so, like, why even mention it? <laughs> Whatever. Dwellers will hang out on top of dung piles, and they'll pretty much just hang there the whole time. I'm imagining them, like, on a porch with some lawn chairs. Exactly. Oh they got gosh. some beers. Yes. Watching the sunset. Oh, my Watching the rollers roll off. Roll into off. The- <laughs> This, someone needs to make this a series. I know. I'm just seeing all of this in, like, some kind of Pixar fashion. Oh, so good. Listen, I started with A Bug's Life, and I'm keeping us there. Um, and I will say, generally speaking, dwellers are much smaller, and I think that's because then they're, it's, le- they're, like, less, they're inconspicuous. Less conspicuous. Thank you. Ah. I was like, is it less conspicuous, or should I say inconspicuous? Either way, we got there. Mm-hmm. But... I'm, that's, I did not read that. That's just my assumption. I would, like, I mean, if, if you assumed that and I assumed that, I think it sounds feasible. Then it's, then it's fact. So. It's fact. <laughs> it's fact. I will say my favorite thing about looking up dung beetles, other than realizing that there are 8,000 species. Will not let that go. That's dung beaters, insane. Is that they're like really important. Oh, do tell. Really important. Especially in agriculture and cattle. They're, in general ecology research, they're a good bioindicator that the ecosystem is healthy and that, um, and kind of used to examine the impacts of human activities on biodiversity. Mm. Um, They're really good at nutrient recycling, so because they're moving dung around, they're ingesting it, they're creating their own dung. um, Good recyclers. Yes. They're burrowing, they're consuming dung, they're doing all that good stuff, and then they also act as seed dispersers, because they're literally taking seeds from one place in dung and moving it across deserts. I don't know. But, yeah, so they're really good for the ecology in that way, but then they're also really good for livestock. Hmm. So a lot of dung beetles, like, 
cattle poop, so cow path. Right, right. That's kind of a lot, well, that's like their thing, mm-hmm. a lot of them. Um, and because they're moving the cow paths away, they're making it so that they don't become bad for the cattle themselves. So if the cow paths oh. just stayed there and the dung beetles didn't move them, then there'd be a lot of pests. Like, a lot of flies would come, it'd be really gross, but because the beetles are taking them away and burying it, they're actually doing they're a kinda lot. They're kind of clean. They're cleaning it. They're clean. essentially the maid system Ugh. for a lot of farms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Which is really cool. Um, I have a dumb question. Go ahead. So if I were to just go to the local farm, yeah. would I be able to go find some dung beetles? Possibly. They, so they do live, I think it's like, there's like 70 species of dung beetle in North America. Mm. Only a, only like 12 of them, I think, are like more traditional dung beetles. But so they do live in North America. Okay. But I didn't get like down to like the state specifics of okay, it. Okay, cool. I'll, um, I'll look it up. Yeah, so possibly. Because I want to just go to a farm and like and trespass. Just be staring at And dung. just be like looking at you know, shit. Why not? I just want to, I, I also want to add that when you announced that you were doing a dung beetle, again, clearly didn't know that there were 8,000 species. Yeah. I thought they were only found in Africa. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So They're this is super cool. I mean, the African dung beetle, I think, is the most famous, famous. of the dung yeah. beetles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been used in other places, like introducing it for, as a as you'll see. Oh, what? It's used in agriculture. So, like I said, it, it helps really protect livestock because it's getting rid of those pests. It's remove, It's acting as a maid and, like, cleaning up yeah. after. They're often used in animal husbandry because it improves hygiene. Hmm, because yeah. you're getting rid of poop. So, and this I'm, I'm directly taking off of a source. The American Institute of Biological Sciences reports that dung beetles saved the United States cattle industry an estimated $380 million annually through burrowing above-ground livestock feces. What? Isn't that insane? That's really cool. Okay, all the more reason we need to, like, conserve the fucking environments around us. Yeah. Because it's saving us money. If you care nothing about protecting the animals, give a shit, give, give a, give a dung beetle shit. uh, Yeah. About, um, about saving money. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that insane? It is. I think, I think a good thing to remember. Inconceivable. Beautiful. Is that humans are, our time on the planet, I don't know how, how ancient dung beetles are, but a lot of insects I feel like Super old. A human's time on this planet is very, very minimal. Which means for a long fucking time, the ecosystems had it all figured out. So surprise, they can fucking help us. Like, you shouldn't be surprised by this. Anyway, so when Australia did a similar thing, the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, or CSIRO as I like to call them... (laughs) commissioned the Australian Dung Beetle Project, which was from this, uh, 1965 to 1985, for 20 years. They introduced species of dung beetles to South Africa and Europe. They successfully introduced 23 different species of beetles, and it resulted in the improvement of the quality and fertility of Australian cattle pastures, along in a reduction of the population of pestilent bushflies by around 90%. Okay, I gotta, I gotta wonder here, though. All right. Introducing non-native species mm-hmm. is usually so problematic. Mm-hmm. So, by introducing these guys, who is that fucking over? So, I didn't get too far into it, but because a lot of it is still like they're still finding out. But it seems like they're so specific to the cow patties mm-hmm. that there is some competition. But because 
what they want is dung and no one else is eating it hmm. is that it doesn't seem to be super problematic. Wow. I think the problem comes when there's, if they like would introduce too many species maybe and there's yeah. like too many beetles and there's not enough dung and they gotta sure. go somewhere else. Yeah. But because they're specific in what they consume, if nothing else is consuming it and they're like literally living in this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I feel I was like I was reading this and I was like, why are we talking about this as a success? You're introducing non-native species, but so I'm just I'm sitting here, guys, with my mouth agape because I find this so fascinating because this this concept of invasive species is Mm -hmm. problematic worldwide. Yeah, and it is so negatively looked upon Mm -hmm. that holy crap, we found a we found a species in which introducing them is actually benefiting the local landscape even though livestock you could argue is not native I was gonna say, to it's also a controlled yeah. area right I feel right like. right like they're not putting it just like into the wild it's into like cow pastures yeah, but like they're insects how do you track them you're not putting bands on their legs True. like you, they could go beyond just the farm anyway that is think, just really cool i think they're definitely to, to hear could possibly be problematic but i think yeah it's kind of like so my favorite story of animal using animals in like it, to solve other animal problems is cane toads. Mm. So I can't believe I haven't done cane toads yet. Oh, remind me because I knew this at one point. So there was I think it was and I don't know this exactly, but there was like a really it was some kind of bug locust problem, something in Australia. Mm-hmm. So they introduced cane toads, which are these very large large toads to eat the insects, but mm. when the insects matured they grew fucking wings and got away from the cane toads. So the cane toads did nothing to solve the problem. Cane toads, cane toads rapidly reproduce. Like, they're gigantic. So then they just got out of control. And I think that's one where... That's, like, the perfect example of, like, don't introduce a species if you, like, if you haven't thought it through. Right. Like, come on. Let's... Really? Let's think about this. But I do like to see ways that it is done yeah. and it seems to be beneficial for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to, like, again, this is a species or family of, of beetles that are very specific to what they eat. Yeah. And you're putting them in a localized they're, area. They're, I do think it is something that needs to be monitored, obviously. And sure, like, but their but niche there doesn't in seem the, to be too many negative effects from it. Their niche in the animal kingdom is such that mm-hmm. it... It makes them well poised for this. That's yeah. really cool. I will say devil's advocate to myself. It could be they're just looking at the positives because they see how much it is happening, hap- helping agriculture. Right, and they kind of and think they just like, sort of like, let's push this under the, the rug. The negatives but are a little less, yeah. Okay. I can't yeah. see them being too detrimental to too many, okay. too many things. But anyway, it's a really cool way of how awesome bugs are. So just a couple things that I thought were fun. So in ancient Egypt, dung beetles are what scarabs are. So scarabs are used a lot in, like, jewelry and in religious artwork all over the place in ancient Egypt, and those scarabs are dung beetles. Yeah. I think it was really cool. And this, I just took the quote directly because I was like, there's no use in paraphrasing. So they often, in ancient Egypt, linked the scarab with Kepri, who was a god of the rising sun. Um, Oh my gosh, these these beetles just driving off into the sunset. Yeah, right? (laughs) Right? The ancient Egyptians knew they were talking about. So... Well, one, they believe that the dung beetle was only male in gender and reproduced by depositing semen into a dung well. God damn it. So, no, that's not true. But I th- thought was really cool. Oh, and that represented that. So the god Kendry re- like created himself. Like Kendry himself sounds cre- like he's a rapper. It, it does. Oh, sorry. Kepri. Oh. 
Capri. Still kind of Still sounds like he's a rapper. <laughs> but so he was self-created. So like the beetle like reflected that. I see. But also the dung beetle rolled by the dung... The dung ball rolled by the dung beetle resembled the sun. So they were like, oh, he's rolling the sun. It's like, no, it's, it's a ball of shit, but cool. Um, but yeah, so that is the, 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 a lot of the times in ancient Egypt, that's what's represented. Mm-hmm. However, this was my favorite little fun fact that I found. Yes. So there often, there was like a whole list of the times they're mentioned in like different literature, often like folklore, like kids' tales. Like there was an Aesop's fable that... Um, included a dung beetle. But my favorite is that there is a Hans Christian Andersen's tale. Who He wrote, like, didn't he do, like, the Snow Queen, which is, like, what Frozen is Hansel based? and Gretel yeah. and all of Bunch the famous of stuff. tales. But so his story was the dung beetle. All right, ready? The dung beetle tells the story of a dung beetle who lives in the stable of the king's horses in an imaginary kingdom. And then this is where they lost me. When he demands golden shoes... I'm sorry, why is a dung beetle demanding golden shoes? Because. You are a dung beetle. What? He wants, you don't he need, wants to feel fancy. You don't even need shoes, let alone golden shoes. If you're walking around and shit, you want to feel kind of nice every once in a while, too. Listen. Anyway, I, he I, flies around for a while, and then apparently he gains a feeling of superiority to other animals, but then finally he returns to the stable, and I don't think he gets shoes. But I was just, I stopped right there. And I was like, wait. I read it and I was like, what am I reading? What? Who's demanding the shoes? <laughs> the fucking beetle. Okay, I'm done with this, Hans. Okay, how did, yeah, how did Hans come up with that, Hans, more importantly? Please. But yeah, so there are off, there's a, yeah, there's a bunch of, like, literature references to dung beetles. I guess there's 8,000 of them, so they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't find a ton about their conservation. Right. Mainly because there's 8,000 of them, so, like, how do you generalize? Right. But there was a National Geographic article from 2013 that said more than half of dung beetle species are threatened or near endangered. Of course, just like everything else. Right? I think and that sounds totally on par yeah. with what we know. So, yeah, that's... Uh, but, I mean, you also touched on the fact that they are being used in different agricultural yeah. projects. So... That's so kind of relevant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think also that was an article that had to do with climate change, so like no one's surprised here. Right. But I think it's more important that we all just learn about dung beetles and how cool they are and how many fucking there are. I can't get over it. I, you know what's a fun? I want to Google like what kind of insect or bug are there the most species of in mm. the world? Most species of, not just like populous. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. But yeah, so that's. Dung beetles. Wow. Isn't that fun? That was really a fun one. Good, I'm so I'm glad, glad that we ended with an insect. Right? Because I don't think we did any this season. We didn't. I don't think we did any last season, did we? I did lightning bugs. Oh, okay. But that was it. We, we had to get that one in each season. <laughs> you know what, though? Another thing I thought of, I didn't totally mean to do another mammal. I kind of wanted to do a snake. Oh. So. Do you like snakes? I, they're so cool. You did a snake stomper. Ooh. So close. <laughs> Wait, can we do that again? Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Love that. Uh, maybe maybe if we get to do a bonus episode. But yeah, that would be great. Anyway, I, I think it was so a great... Much. Oh, I love animals. Fuck. I guess we're, we're wrapping up. You, I think we're wrapping you up. You can take us out for the season. All right. All right. Well, just a reminder, though we are animal enthusiasts, we are not scientists, so please don't cite us in your academic papers. Except um, for, I think there's one thing I said you can cite us on. 
I'll take the blame. It was the fucking mitochondria. That's what it was. Do your own research. We just want to get you excited about animals like we clearly are. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Tune in next time, next season, when we learn about more animals, their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are doing about it. And what you can do, too. Oh, I like the optimism.